So I'll just do a quick introduction to introduce you and who you are, and then we'll just have a conversation. It'll be so lovely. Okay. You don't do the video part of it. No, some people do, but I don't. Yeah, that's what I looked at this guy doing. Yeah. How he drinks his urine and things, you know? (laughs) I mean, it's so creepy, but it's true. It's antiseptic, antibiotic. Yeah. And... I mean, I just, what I have the other day, I thought it was a lip sore, but it wasn't. It was an eye. Oh. Ice dye. Oh, you had and an I ice just, dye? I had a sty. Oh. And all I did was just put a little urine on it, you know. It's yeah. nice and warm. <laughs> <laughs> you just put it on a cotton ball, stick it on there. Your own urine or do you get my own. You use yeah. your own. Oh. And you think it stinks? It doesn't. It does stink when you urinate, but then especially if you eat asparagus oh yeah that's right asparagus <laughs> but i hadn't and i just stuck it on my eye t- a couple of times the cotton ball yeah and this dye went away faster than any medicine i've ever used it just went away in like two days wow welcome to an episode of ambitious This is a podcast where I, Ammon, talk about things that matter to me, and I talk to people who are close to me and who I feel are ambitious in their life, and I also like to talk about business and photography. Today's episode is extra, extra special because I have two guests, my father, Dane Clough, and my grandmother, Diana Clough. Do you guys want to just say hi? Hi. Hey. So, it's lovely to have both of you, and to give a quick introduction... This episode is going to be focused on my grandmother. She's going to give us some life tips, some uh, examples of ambition and passion in her life, what she's up to nowadays. Um, so my grandma is 73 years old. She's very righteous and queenly. She's currently wearing a leopard skin a leopard patterned jacket and a very brightly colored scarf which you look magnificent at the (laughs) moment thank (laughs) you and uh she has had 10 children 15 pregnancies nine children still living and she's just lived a wonderful life her husband passed away my grandpa passed away how many years ago four years four and a half four and a half years ago so she's living on her on her property that she's had for 40 plus years now with her youngest son and his wife and just staying active, living a rich life comfortably. And uh, it's, it's just, I, I come back and visit her whenever I can and whenever I'm in town here in Ashland, Oregon. And so, yeah, I just thought we could chat and I brought my dad along cause, uh, he's the oldest, he's her oldest living son and, um, he knows her pretty well. So I brought him along because I thought it could be a nice little addition where we could have a little conversation, discussion, and bring in a little extra dynamic to the conversation. So to begin, Grandma, do you have anything else that you wanted to say? Did I miss anything important that you feel you want to? Um, my children range in age from the first one is the one that died, the one that died, and he would be 55 this April, and Dane was the next one that came along, and he's just about the Tuesday, yeah. about 53. Yep, Tuesday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then I couldn't have any more children. It just seems like I had a hard time just getting those two, and they both about died at birth, and one did die. And uh, like nine hours after birth, and then Dane Bout died. But I was the stronger one. <laughs> anyway, I uh, what did you say? I was the stronger one. Oh yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> then I couldn't have any. I didn't seem to be able to have any more children. And I really, my whole goal in life was to have a big family. I'd been working since I was a child dancing with ballet and modern dance and I even had gone to um, teaching it I performed on television and all over for years and years and years so I started that at 8 and then at um, 18 I was had my own studio and 
I had about 40 students and I was doing it all myself. But the thing was, doing it all yourself, you're so busy. I just lost weight, lost weight, lost weight. I really got thin because I was exercising all day. Yeah. (laughs) But anyway. That's a pretty ambitious thing, being a dancer. And didn't you say you owned a... Was it a dance studio? Yeah, I had a dance studio and had, um, well, actually, it was just at my parents' home. And I didn't even think of becoming a teacher. I was a performer for years, but a lot of the people asked that I would teach their children because I was really good with children, so... I did start that, and actually, I didn't have a lot of time because I got married at eighteen too, and so I, the children actually did their first performance at our wedding reception, which was really good. It was really a nice, different kind of wedding, having a a little recital with all the children. So we were talking about you had the first two children, then you couldn't have children for a little while. Oh yeah, I couldn't, and um. Then Dane was two, and he said, Mother, I really want a sister. And I said, I do too. I really want a sister bad, but I just don't seem to be able to get pregnant. I've tried and tried and (laughs) everything I've tried, but I just can't. And so he said, that's okay. I know how you can get children. And I said, how? And he said, I'll pray. And I thought, oh, isn't that nice? Because we always had scriptures and prayers and went to church and did everything religious. And I thought, he's learned. He's learned to pray. And he's learned to pray for something. Yeah. And um, so he prayed one year for a sister. And then I got pregnant and had five girls in a row. Not at so, once. Not at once, but five <laughs> girls in a row. I was going to say, that's some prayer. So your next yeah. ones were split. So one is four years younger than me. And then every two years for for four girls, you had four girls. And then and then after that, Then I girl, had about nine years. Yeah, you got really I got, sick. I had a drought oh, wow. period again of not being able to carry a baby to term. And uh, I'll call, I call that my droughts. And um, actually, it was because the sixth, this, the fourth girl that I had, I had a major heart problem. And it's rare, but it happens. And I just couldn't, um, I was in bed for a year and just vomiting diarrhea constantly. Yikes. <laughs> so that's pretty sad, for you a know. Year. What was that Especially year like? Especially when you've just had a baby and you have a bunch of other little ones. And um, actually, one day I stop breathing and my husband and uh your brother brother yeah yeah, brother were blessing me because i told my husband i feel like i'm dying and they were giving me blessing i stopped breathing and the thing was my eyes were closed but i felt conscious even though i wasn't breathing i thought I don't have to breathe anymore because I had been gasping a mm. lot, you know, just gasping. But then I came back and I knelt down after that and asked Heavenly Father what I should do. And he told me I should go to Salt Lake to a doctor named Komishaw, which I'd heard about. But I'd been so ill, I didn't think I could ever make it. And um, he also told me, too, that I knew this Komishaw was on 3rd Street. So in Salt Lake. When you say he told you, how how does how do you mean? How do you get that uh, feeling? Feeling. Um, it's a permeating a a, a thought that's just dominating, or uh, in your mind it comes. Go to Salt Lake. It just sounded like words. Huh. Go to Salt Lake to Dr. Komashaw on 3rd Street. And it's the street in Salt Lake that has the big seagull by Temple Square. Do you ever confuse like those dominating thoughts that are from God with your own thoughts? Like, Do you ever have the trouble distinguishing that? I wonder sometimes. I go, is that just me thinking that I should do something or not? Or is that, is that just me, me? Like once I was in Salt Lake... And we would stay in our van at a certain parking lot. And I had a thought. I had been 
writing a manual about disasters. Uh-huh. And I had a feeling that they were going to have a tornado in Salt Lake. Because all the clouds, there's, there's things you look for, and everything said tornado. Uh-huh. And so we had gone to the Capitol and then down to this parking lot by Salt, I don't remember what it was, it's a sports arena, and we were going to go park there, but I just felt impressed we should leave, just not be there, because the way, the weather was strange, and sure enough, we took off and left, and the tornado hit right where we would have parked Mm. at that sports arena, and it actually went... um, some other our so, neighbors. So you just had a feeling. Mm, yeah, I had a. a I had a. It's a like a strong feeling. Yeah. It's like when I met Dennis four years before I met him. I prayed I'd find the exact right man so I wouldn't end up with a divorce. But the uh, back then divorces were pretty rare. Yeah, that wasn't like it is today, and so I finally a. Uh, boy asked me to marry him that I had uh, gone with for four years and I said yes and he was a member of the church and so forth but actually while he was gone I saw Dennis he'd come home from his mission to Norway which I didn't even realize I was Norwegian and looked pretty Norwegian too I mean you you know I looked quite Norwegian got the tipsy nose and big high forehead and the real space eyes that are really spaced apart and <laughs> you know i'm i'm a norwegian look yeah and anyway um you had that feeling when you saw him that i heard i heard in my mind this is the man that you should marry oh cool and i actually um I had been watching his mission slides he was over at my house and even though i was engaged to someone else I was just a senior in high school, and wow. the guy was gone, and he had asked me out for a date, but I couldn't go because I'd been really sick, and my mother wouldn't let me go, and so because it was snowy and cold, and so after I saw his missionary slides, which I'd already seen at Fireside, then the Holy Ghost said to me, this is the man you should marry, and it was in my mind. But it was a strong thought, hmm. and I told, and I'd already read the Book of Mormon uh, at seventeen. So now I was eighteen. I just turned eighteen, and um, so I knew when I read the Book of Mormon that the church was true. That was a, uh, I hated reading, and I did it anyway, but just for obedience, yeah, because you had to do it to graduate, you know. And I did it, but it was such a powerful thing for me i couldn't even put it down yeah and i hid it in my books at school nice. <laughs> i'm reading it all day so you had uh so you've talked to us about those impressions now let's go back to where you were at with your uh your children so then you'd gotten really sick you went to see dr Komashaw. you felt that impression and then you got some relief from that from yeah, that, that he cured then, a heart problem I had. And then you were able to eventually have uh, four more children after that. Uh, I had eight more, but only four survived right. after that. Nice. So yeah. for a total of 10, uh, 15. Oh, 15. 15, right. 15 pregnancies, pregnancies and 10 live births. How ambitious. That's a lot. Well, that's all I ever wanted to do because I danced for clear from 8 to 18 so 10 years of dancing and um, teaching and then because I did all that I I saw that being a mother was the greatest thing I could do yeah and right then I was signed up to go to BYU I was all had my whole dorm and everything but women were all saying I'm going to be like a man I want a career and I thought, I've already had a career as a child and performance, and this won't last. When I'm 70 or 60 or 50, I'm not going to be able to keep dancing the way I do. Yeah. And I, I want something that lasts 
being a mother. And that's something I hope I can do. That's really cool. So now that all your kids are grown and married mostly and they're living on their own, what what are some of your passions and ambitions now? Well, that's the crazy thing. I always said, oh, I'm going to start painting and things like that, and which I'm not good at that, but I have two artists in the family. And I thought, and others, actually, my kids are all good in arts of some kind. They can build or they can, um, some can draw and some are real good at school and you know, your art, arty in lots of ways. And yeah. I was always one that liked interior decorating and uh, clothes. I love clothes. I love to design. Like I love your outfit today. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, when miniskirts came in, I lived in San Diego and I was about 24. I decided I wasn't going to, um, you know, I... I wanted to be modest, but I wouldn't even go above my knees ah. on a skirt. And because it, I had always worn below my knee because I was do- born during World War II. And during World War II, they asked everybody to cut their dresses to their knees so that they would have more money for the things that they needed during the war so all the women went from long to knee length so I'd been at knee length my whole life but I thought that's out now so I'm just going to go to long I'm going to do long skirts long skirts so I started I could sew and I sewed I even could sew a man's suit and so you're pretty into fashion nowadays into I mean, you have a nice clothing collection. Oh, I have enough for 50 women. I'm a hoarder now. But um, it's actually, I just sewed a long skirt, and I noticed the prophet's wife, who's five years younger than me, she was wearing, just like what I went into, she was wearing a long, dark skirt, and then she had a cute top, which was, for her, it was a suit top, and it looked feminine. I don't like the ones that look like boys. And then uh, she had a big colorful scarf. But I always did color and always did my own style. And I noticed after I did that, I lived in San Diego and I went to a lot of places. My husband, lots of times we'd be at um, pretty fancy places, very fancy, with all the silverware that lined up on each side of the plate and everything like that. We did a lot of having to go to places like that all over in L.A. And I was wearing my different styles, and I noticed a lot of people start to wear the long long yeah. things, too. So That's nice. Uh, I was sort of a... Uh, uh, well, you just have to break away and do what you want, and I think a lot of people do that now. They're not worried about... They just wear whatever they feel yeah. is comfortable. For sure. One thing that I've noticed about you and I've always loved throughout my life is your sense of humor. I love how you always will make something into a game or make a joke out of something to kind of lighten the mood. Um, What type of sense of humor do you consider yourself to have? Well, I just never was the type that liked to fight with people or anything so my husband of course when you get married you think it'll be happiness ever after like all the fairy tales but what it is is work ever after and so when he would irritate me I play a trick on him (laughs) I wouldn't get mad I wouldn't get mad at him I mean I was mad to start a trick but the thing was, I get to giggling so hard at the trick yeah. that I forget to be mad anymore. And it would get me completely out of it. But I did things like he liked to work a lot. And he'd do two shifts free and one shift for pay. And he did things like that. Or he'd always have a hobby. And he also did a lot of other jobs mm-hmm. because I wasn't working. So... 
but back then we could make it with one salary, most of us, but you couldn't live lavish. So I was a real budgeter. And you played tricks on him at work? Yeah, I'd go to where he was working and I would stuff his car with newspapers and I'd turn <laughs> the radio full blast and everything. <laughs> the windshield um, wipers I'd on. Put <laughs> sticky on the, put a little honey on on the, the steering, steering wheel. wheel. <laughs> And and I put a big note on the dash saying, my darling husband, because of last night, the way you treated me, and on and on, and then I'd save the big juicy part for the next page, and so people would be all crowded around my car, seeing the newspaper, laughing their head off, wishing they could see the next page of whatever he did to me, and usually it was nothing big deal, but you know, you're so... Uh, kind of selfish and ridiculous when you're married and (laughs) you can always dream up something you can get mad at everything i heard a rumor about you uh that you went to a movie with him and you were upset and that you sprinkled food coloring in his popcorn oh yeah so he'd have green tea (laughs) yeah i used to do stuff like that she would take a syringe with some uh a Tabasco sauce and inject it in your oranges or yeah. your candy bar. She would um, take, she'd get dye from a nurse at the hospital somehow or something like that and put it in our grape juice so we would pee blue or some other odd color so you think you were dying when you went Actually, to the bathroom. Actually, I'm sorry about that one. That's dangerous now. They At the, the hospital, they'd laugh their head off and sneak it out to me, but... They wouldn't do that now because I just heard that that can hurt yeah, you. Yeah, lots of little <laughs> gags and things with saran wrap and all those typical things. And um, oh yeah, uh, probably the probably the in a sandwich one, so one that I think that that he got most upset at that was a little <laughs> bit more permanent than temporary was the the time when uh, she disapproved of of some of his music and so she took his uh, country albums and and some of the music she didn't care for and she. Uh, put them in the oven and and got them nice and warm and then formed them into flower pots for her for yeah. her plants and vases. Oh, wow. and vases and things. That's and creative, <laughs> very resourceful. Well, it was just that the prophet said we should eliminate in our homes anything that suggests evil, and some of these songs were just old western songs that talked about killing your wife. You <laughs> yeah, know, that's, that's pretty and bad. Somebody died. By death, you know, by murder, and I thought that that's wicked, and I'm going <laughs> to yeah. get rid of every wicked thing, and I'll turn it all into a flower pot. And he's, if he asks if his records are gone, I'll say no. Here they are. Look, <laughs> it's called reincarnation. <laughs> and it made him furious, and he just went right back down to the store and bought all Marty Robbins and all the others that talked about something evil in there. Yeah, and he just bought them all back. He was so mad at me, but well, I love that about you that. You, instead of getting mad and and lashing out in anger, you just do something kind of silly and funny. Use your sense of humor to make yourself laugh so hard that you can just forget about the. <laughs> there was also that time when they were first married when uh, he came back from. He would work. He'd go to school and then work super late, and, and then they'd he'd get home and they'd go out to eat and play in Hollywood and things like that. But they. Um, I guess, as I understand, remember the story, The uh, it was around Halloween time, and she unscrewed all the light bulbs and piled all the pots and pans at the door and uh, and made it to where it was completely dark. So when he came home and opened the door, all these pots and pans crashed down super loud, <laughs> scared him to death. He reaches in, tries to turn on the light. It's not on, and he gets in, and he's going further through the house trying to turn on light switches and anything and all he can see is this glow and she's got a sheet over the television and uh and, and it the, was like the teeniest little television little that's television. all we had and just when about when he got in there to where he could just start to focus and things she jumped out with her hair all crazy wild and <laughs> screamed at him and he just curled up in the fetal position and dropped to the floor <laughs> and screamed and screamed and screamed <laughs> <laughs> I love that. He never. I said, didn't you ever do this when you grew up in your house, scare each other? And he said, no, <laughs> no, nope. never did. But, but you came from you came from a household that was very uh, 
witty and, and lots of lots of practical jokers and puns and, and craziness, and they still do, still do that to this day. You're the oldest of all your siblings, right? Mm-hmm. Oldest of seven. And he's the oldest of seven, but oh, wow. one of his um, sisters died that was about my age. Mm. So yep. we... As about a two or three-year-old That's what girl. I did. Yeah. I waited till we were married, then I said... A, do you like big families? And he said, yeah. I said, oh, good. Okay, I'm not going to work anymore. I'm just going to spend time, <laughs> you know, babies. having having babies. Nice. And it wasn't easy. Like, I got the nausea and, and the heart problem. I had to have cesarean sometimes, you know, like my I had the biggest baby ever born in Sacramento and um, downtown hospital, and that was... Niall, who is now 31, just turned 31. How big was he? Like 11 pounds or something? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's 11 pounds something. And didn't you carry Daisha for like uh, two extra months months longer? So horrible. I wouldn't go to the doctor just so they wouldn't force me to have the baby. But I always thought the baby will come when it wants to come, and I wouldn't let them take it. But actually, when I think about it, I'm pretty lucky because like, my tenth child, Becca, uh, tenth child's wife, Becca. Her doctor told her we've got to take the baby, even though it's not quite time. He's in distress, and he actually would have died if they hadn't taken him. So I did a lot of gutsy things, but some of them I was lucky because I could have really messed up. So I'm not trying to promote that one. Yeah. <laughs> So one thing that I wanted to touch on a little bit is your uh, like your tricks with money and savings, because oh, you've yeah. always taught me your envelope tricks and your envelope system, which I've adopted into my financial life, and it's worked really well for me. I've been able to save money. So if you wouldn't mind sharing some of your your money tricks and hacks. Yeah, I learned this. Actually, uh, a man named Evan Davis lived next door to us. He became a professor at BYU, and he's the one that first taught this. And I was only six, so my mother, I don't know where I learned it. Uh, actually, I don't remember him teaching that to us, but that was his uh, uh, idea of his. Somehow, anyway, I learned to put money, I must have read something, uh, put money into envelopes of your entire budget, like your food, your trips, your um, uh, electric and your housing and on and on. You just put everything that you have to pay. And then, so each paycheck, you feed an envelope. Mm-hmm. And um, you might think, I don't have any extra, but you do get extra. And and I used to, it teaches you to budget. So yeah. instead of buying an ice cream cone, get a half gallon of ice cream and eat it that way. And make it special if you want to, putting some topping on it. But anyway, I noticed that my envelopes were just splitting and they all had $100 bills in them. And I would feed them with each paycheck. And the kids had to, with couldn't have everything they wanted like mommy can we buy this can we buy that yeah for your birthday maybe or something not just a gift for nothing and so they had to sacrifice a little bit too yeah and uh i learned to shop at thrift stores so i didn't have to pay a lot of money for a pair of shoes or a pair of water a lot of people don't like that they say you need to buy something stuff new just for you but i found that I could save a lot of money on clothes, especially when I had twins. They're like in the six-foot range, and they every month needed a new pair of shoes. It was terrible. But the thing about them, it didn't actually help too much on thrift stores because they went to beyond normal sizes, like I think one's a 14, one's a 15, something like that, which costs more to buy. But still... You could, I just look for bargains at every store mm-hmm. that were really, really cheap. I can find a lot of things for a dollar. Now I can even find things for me for 50 cents. But, like at um, the Goodwill or Salvation Army? Usually little places that are white 
and they say thrift store. Very oh. simple looking. It's usually some charity uh, yeah. shop for someone like I noticed in our area that is a shop that takes the clothes from the rich people at yeah. uh, a home when home that they live in. And some of them are very stylish, so you can look and find something cute. I used to... I used to do the envelope system like a physical envelope, and I'd put cash. I'd go to the bank and pull cash each paycheck and do what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But I realized that a lot of places it's harder to pay with cash, and I didn't always like having so much just physical cash lying around the house. So I started using uh, like virtual envelopes on my phone and just doing it in the bank, but having my envelopes all listed out on my phone in categories yeah and when you told me that i thought i'd do that too because the thing is when people see you have money then you are uh, somebody like a lone person all of a sudden you know if they see you have money and it can go stolen at home so i've also put mine in the bank yeah but it was physically it was really fun a fun fun game to have it where it was just at home but i found there's a theft problem and people all of a sudden think you've got money yeah i can get what i want right so i i wanted to give you some some open space to talk about some things you'd written down i didn't know if you had any stories or or any tips and tricks you wanted to teach us all anything ambitious from your life you wanted to share well um uh, my my health is pretty good. I actually had horrid health as a child. I was always sick. And when I even would say I want a big family, my family would, like uncles and things, would say you're never going to do it because you're just the kind of kid that's always sick and really thin and so forth. But um, I had that goal and I was able to f- perform it, and I also got healthier and healthier because I married a man who gardened, mm. and when he gardened, that really helped my health a lot. Yeah. And I also ate. My mother always served as kind of pioneerish with beans, potatoes, rice, and just simple foods. What's and your diet like now? I have, well, I go to the senior center a lot, which isn't the best thing to do because they usually eat out of cans. But um, I also will make like a big soup and just eat it all week. Or I like just yesterday, I spent my time putting away taco mixture I had made, homemade mixture. Yeah. And um, and then Spanish rice and... Um, something else and and that and then i can change instead of eating the same thing every day but when you i don't let myself be spoiled like i'll even try and sleep on the ground just so i don't spoil myself oh does that help with your it, health it and- hurts at first to sleep on the ground without yeah. a mattress you yeah. wake up all sore and stuff yeah but i don't like my body to get spoiled and i I exercise every day by doing a jiggle machine. I think it's called a K1. And that makes you, it's supposed to uh, tell you you've gone through an 11-mile hike. Well, I've been through an 11-mile hike, and it's not that good of a deal. But (laughs) I do have strong muscles. What does the jiggle machine look like, or what does it do? uh, It just kind of jiggles off the like you you jiggle on it it just vibrates okay it, it vibrates and then like in i i tried it out at a at a place where you you pay you can to see, go there. you can see them from way back in the 50s they had those machines it was all the rage and they had the commercials with these women that were just standing there with this belt strapped around them and just jiggling oh, yeah. and things like that and you don't use the belt now but you just hold on to there's something you can hold on or you can just take it and hold on to something of your own and you don't have to have that part if you don't want to like they say you can take it on trips but i don't because it's too heavy but anyway um it does make me have strong muscles i can walk a hill uh, where i used to just huff and puff i remember when i I pulled up do it i remember when i pulled up to your 
yard the other day you were dragging sticks like dragging big old logs oh yeah I, so you're I very active giant logs and uh giant um rocks yeah you're that super are strong a lot of weight and and then i keep my weight down by eating small and drinking a lot i just try to i i eat small and drink pretty big you know a lot of water yeah a lot of water and then i also found crushing grapes i mean just putting them in the blender with the seeds and everything Uh and drinking that'll really take the weight off too if you want weight off do you have grapes here in your yard yeah i have grapes and that's the thing my husband was really good about was having garden and all the farm animals so that we could slaughter the cows slaughter yeah. the pigs eat those things but the only thing about it if you i think uh, most people i see that have cows they weigh quite, quite a lot because if you're slaughtering something so big constantly every you know like i don't buy that much meat that a slaughtered cow or even a fourth of it would work for me yeah. i just eat a little meat and kind of balance it out with the vegetables and fruits but if you don't and then I eat from the ground, too, like miner's lettuce, um, the little uh, purple flowers that are... Oh, they have the little, like, sweet honey in the bottom mm-hmm. of them? Honey- yeah. Honeysuckle. Well, oh, yeah. What is that? Honeysuckles? No, not the mm. honeysuckle, but they're just a little mm. purple bushy flower that comes up in the spring. It cleans your liver out. Yeah, I like those. I used to eat those all the time when I was a kid. Yeah, dandelion greens and yeah, I, so that's what I've mullein, comfrey, from, all those kinds oh, of herbs yeah. and things. Yeah, I've done lots of herbs and like comfrey works better than any cough medicine, and we've got tons of it here in Oregon. And then um, it also works for um, well, I was going to say they say for earaches to to do the pod part, the flower part, yeah. soak it, but. I use herbs a lot. I learned that in my 30s. Uh, my sister was dying of cancer, and I started trying to explore. I was actually down in bed with that real bad illness I had. And um, she was going, she had cancer, and I prayed and asked Heavenly Father to help me be able to get up and help her. And I was able to get up and help her till she died. And then I took her four children and put them with mine. I had five of my own right then. And so I, I studied herbs and saw that they're real beneficial. Like, for instance, if you eat garlic every night, just take a little. At first, most people probably get discouraged because it really gives you gas. But after about yeah. a month of taking it, your gas gets better. And so you take that. You, I wasn't sick for 30 years. Really? Because I did garlic. I remember always whenever I'd spend time over here at your house as a kid, you'd always make us take garlic. Like you'd take clove, chop it up into little slices, and you'd just make us eat straight garlic. And I remember it always being really hot, like kind of spicy. And maybe that's why I had such bad gas. All my life, probably, <laughs> probably because it, it is bad on that. But you were really good to take it. Most people, I just say, um, have some guts to you. Don't be such a baby. Yeah. My, if your body starts crying and saying no, I don't like that taste or whatever, just say you're going to take it, body. You're going to mind me. I'm I'm going to help you be healthy. Yeah. Do you want to feel sick? And so. I always try to do that because I was sick so much as a child. I caught every little thing, and I finally learned some ways that work just perfect. And then uh, if it, I have a flu or I all of a sudden I feel my nose, then I know I'm getting sick, and I'll take some echinacea and myrrh. And you can just buy it cheap, but I go to grocery outlet. I don't know, but it's cheap. Yeah, It's only like for 60 pills, probably 2 or $3. So that will just knock 
most everything. Gold and seal works like myrrh, but too many people use it for drugs to cover up their drug tests. Because these seal? things will cover up on machines oh. if you take them. Um, huh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they will. So it, that's why myrrh or, gar, or golden seal is pretty expensive, but the myrrh isn't too bad. And and I just I ordered at grocery store like a pound of it. Yeah. And just need one pound, and I always have it for anybody to get sick. It just really kills the germs fast. Yeah. Well, you seem healthy. You look very nice. Your skin's very no wrinkles on your face at all. Yeah. So I, if I was to guess, I'd say you'd live to be 100. Yeah, my George line, we are like that. We go gray early, or we go white, actually. And... um and we are quite healthy if because of course i've never done smoking drinking coffee tea that's black tea so that helps yeah also not yelling at people and being angry helps your face because you get a lot of wrinkles oh, from yeah. that and another thing is uh praying i pray daily i read scriptures daily and um I go to church always and always have unless I'm on a trip to Europe on a Sunday. Sometimes I have to fly on a Sunday. Yeah. My ticket says that or something. But otherwise, I'm always at church. And that helps, too, because you have a balance in your mind of some spiritual things. You're thinking and you're serving others and you're trying to be like jesus that can make you look different and a lot of people think you use something for your skin or something but it really is if you try hard to live good think good thoughts be positive that's a huge thing that i would teach Mm -hmm. as i'm old if you think positive and every day you pray and thank heavenly father for the happy day that you've the happy sleep that you've had and everything you always think positive and find the good out of every little nasty that happens yeah just an attitude of gratitude and then also i use petroleum jelly on my face and that helps a lot because it keeps it real shiny (laughs) yeah it's shiny but you are shiny it is also uh it really retards the wrinkles so you mentioned europe is that something do you go to Europe pretty often? Every other year I go and ba- basically because I have a daughter that lives in England and she lives uh 50 miles out of England in, in Ainsford out of, out of London. Oh, I thought and she lived in Kent. Her husband works at Goldman Sachs in in Yeah, Kent. it's Kent. And oh, okay. um, Kent is a lot the of our area. ancestors are from there. Mm-hmm. Do you like the Europeans and and the European influence in the culture and i do but i wouldn't want to live wherever i've grown up i'd rather live because you'll say just a normal thing and it's offensive in europe yeah like when i was in norway i said to a man that i um my suit i was walking down a bus aisle because we would fly in we're going to oslo and we'd fly in to a town then have a two-hour bus ride to get to oslo and so that's where my great-grandmother's from and i bumped him but i said oh i'm sorry i banged you and my husband about fainted (laughs) Because he said that's I'm cussing in Norwegian. That's a cuss word <laughs> oh, to boy. them, and it's well, like all mistakes. these cultural things were so different that I don't know you missionaries that go out and yeah help help the people. I don't know how you do it because you can just be saying a normal American thing. Well, it's nice because you have a little bit of a you have about a two month. Uh, place where you go to a missionary training center where they teach you a lot of the cultural aspects of the country that you're going to so you know what's offensive and you know what 
not to say, and oh. and it's very helpful. And and so that not only do they teach you the language uh, in a crash course, but they teach you etiquette and and cultural norms and things like that, so you can appreciate the culture and live there and and you know assimilate into the culture. And it's and it help, it's very helpful. Well, Dane went to Germany, and actually, President U, uh, Uchtdorf was. In the state presence, he was just put in or was yeah, already was a state a, president? Yeah, he was a state president there at the time. He was state president. And and actually, the Norwegian woman that I'm from um, in Oslo, she married a German man. I mean, her, no, that's wrong. It's her uh, the man who is named Ernest. He and his wife, she was Norwegian. Oh. No, no. Some no, it was him. They got married. A, a German and a Norwegian got married, but they moved to, I think it was Sweden. And then they joined the church and then um, immigrated to the United States. Yeah, and their son actually no, it was the grandparents because he got sick on the trip, and that's why I get seasickness and probably nausea mm-hmm. with pregnancy. I even get plane sick my father was a pilot and all but every trip i'd go on i'd be so sick Hmm. was there anything else in your notes that you wanted to bring up um oh i just say for a really good marriage the thing that helped my husband and i the most was go to the temple Hmm. we he went we go in los angeles we lived in uh, Culver. First, we lived downtown. He went to USC, and he was actually born in Los Angeles, and but he'd been raised in Mesa. And then uh, we got married after his mission and lived in downtown Los Angeles on the USC. Board, um, well, actually, it was on the L.A. Rams parking lot. There was oh. one big four-story apartment. If you've ever seen Barefoot in the Park, it's so much. Our life, I saw it so much, I thought someone had seen a, taken a movie camera of us somehow in that apartment. Oh, yeah? Because it was so much like that, except we didn't do the big fights they had. But yeah. it was like the clothes, the hairdos. Um, every night when he'd come home from work, he'd work till midnight. We'd run, like Dane said, to Hollywood. And we'd go eat and see. He only made like $2 an hour, but I, without me working, we could go eat and see a 50-cent movie in one of the old opera places that wasn't running. They had a lot of opera places that weren't kind of Converted. on the outs. They didn't use Conver- them except for a theater. theaters, yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. And so we could That's go awesome. for a dollar or 50 cents or something and go see it. Uh, do that. That's one thing that I noticed as uh, growing up, as your oldest child, is is seeing the dates that uh, you you went to the temple, like you said a lot, but you also went on dates a lot. Just every every, week, every Friday night, date. they'd always had a standing date night, and we just always knew that they'd be uh, going out to dinner or see a movie or just some social event or something like that. And they always yeah, dated. That's cool. They just kept their kept their romance alive by dating every and week dancing. like they did as, as, as when they were courting dancing was my favorite in la you could even go down by the ocean uh, as you're going to san diego and they'd have a big chicken restaurant where there'd be music to dance to you could eat and dance yeah and we liked that sort of thing and we he was a great dancer and and um it was very romantic to dance i think that People who drop the dancing and drop the dates. The dates are, the eating out was hard because you gain weight on that. I didn't for years because I had been a dancer and was really, really thin. But eventually, with having children and um, eating out every week. That'll add some weight to you. Yeah, it does add weight. So then you have to be really good on... um, we fast in the church once a month, and it helps give us discipline. And so you, it, not only that, we use the money to help the poor, so they'll have meals. And that's what our money that we would have used for ourselves to feed us. But um, I think that's real important, too, that 
you do go on dates, but the greatest, strongest thing that helped us, we were married just over 50 years when he died, almost 51, and now it's been like 55. Uh, and he is, uh, it gives you eternal perspective because I can feel him all the time mm-hmm. with every little tiny thing. Somehow it's like that and you'll be happily ever after finally hits once they're gone and you think what how can that be happy it's because every day i'm thankful i stay with a good attitude and don't ever go into a depression of any kind i just don't let myself get depressed i just say no you cannot be freaked out or anything you just stay calm that and, takes a um, lot of mental discipline, a lot of mental strength, I think. Yeah, but you get that from fasting. Mm. I always fast, and not when I'm pregnant or nursing, but I always fasted. Uh, I still always fast. And if there's a big problem in my life with one of the kids or something, then I go to the temple every day. And That's cool. I, I've never had to go more than a week, then things have been better. Yeah. Not that we're all perfect, but things are better with me the way I feel. I feel better. And so those are some of the things that I try to do. Um, well, I think you've had a very ambitious life, raised a lot of kids and done a lot of good for a lot of people. Is there like a a sentence, like a go-to sentence that you have that you like to give people or a statement that you give people when they need a bit of a boost well i say read the scriptures every day if you read them they have answers to your problems mm-hmm. and it's really hard today because it's really a hard time for everybody like when i lived it wasn't super easy but it was kind of last of the golden years in some ways. There were a lot of things that, like, for instance, I drove to New Mexico with another friend. I drove from Wyoming home with a friend. If we got caught on the side of the road with flat tire or something, people would just help us. Nobody was kidnapping kids and that sort of thing. That's why I sort of call it the golden time. Because they yeah. somebody would just stop and help you, and you, and two pretty girls buy an MG, which we were in, something like that. You might think, hmm. And even when I moved to LA, there were like pimp problems and things like that. Even for me, I remember you told me. I remember a story you told me where. A pimp asked you to get in his car or something? Yeah, a convertible. And I was just walking along. I was in a suit because even though I told my husband I wouldn't work after my baby died, I did work because he was at the home office of, uh, it was called Alpha Beta Market Supermarketing. That's what he was in USC for, for supermarketing. But you didn't work for the pimp. Hmm? You didn't work for the pimp, though. You didn't get no. in his car. <laughs> <laughs> the pimp, yeah. He, he would just be in a flashy convertible and try to make himself fast. Uh, to me, his face was evil. Very evil and ugly to me, but he mm. was young. And he would just say, get in this car now. Get in this car right now. And he'd just yell at me. And the traffic was stop and go. And all these people were watching me as I was walking with this man yelling. But um, I just... You know, I just thought... Just ignored him. Who's? Yeah, I just don't look at him. And same with road rage, uh, if you ever do anything. Just don't look at him and don't even act like you hear them. Just drive the best you can, but don't stop or get out or anything. Yeah. Because then you're going to have a problem. But I've even had that as a grandmother. Someone stop and say, get out, get in this car now, you know. And if there's two people, that's scary because they can do something, like pull you in. But you also can pray and ask for help. The Lord will help you. Or you can carry a big stick. Oh, yeah. That's what I ended up doing now is carrying (laughs) a stick on the dead Indian. Because I had a lot of men circling, and then they'd stop and wait for me. 
and I would look around for a stick before I pass them, and they wouldn't bother me at all. And um, because it is kind of a lonely place where I walk. I mean, it's busy with some traffic, but I'm not by a lot of houses. Yeah. So I think that they think they can be a little more aggressive. But you have to just just always pray. Every morning I roll out of bed onto my knees and pray. You caught me the other day. I did, yeah. yeah. I felt bad that I interrupted your prayer. Well, that's all right. But it was so cute that you were just Yeah, doing you your roll out of bed onto your knees and then at night to remember your prayer, keep a rock under your pillow so when you put your head down, you bump it. Yeah. And then you think, oh, yeah, prayers. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Well, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, is, is there anything else that you wanted to say before we wrap it up? Um, well, for women that are told to read the scriptures and all, what I did when I had the children, I was so busy with them, I would just put on um, tapes. And now people uh. could use CDs or their phone. And I listened to the Book of Mormon that way. And our family, always the way we did the um, scriptures at home every day, was I'd serve a meal at 4 o'clock in the afternoon because my husband worked right by the house and we could all eat. And then I we'd have scriptures on the table and we would have um, our scripture time. Everyone would take turns reading. Even if they couldn't read, we'd just coach them, you know, and behold, yeah. it came to pass, whatever. And they'd say it. And uh, we'd clap, you know, they said scriptures. Yeah, But cool. um, we all, always do your scriptures. That helps you a real lot and say your prayers. And they're just the most basic, easy things. All you have to do is just sandwich them in. But if you can't read the scriptures, which I couldn't for years, I had to just listen to them. So all day, instead of music... Uh, while I was working, because we wouldn't watch TV all week. We, TV was for the nighttime. So we would be having the scriptures going. Um, and I and the kids would run in the house and out of the house, but they'd always hear me listening to scriptures and the conference talks that the prophets speak. And it really, really helped me a lot. Yeah. And I would, Holy Ghost helped me to do the program Forty years ago, we're doing now, keeping the Sabbath day holy and having home nights and having scriptures and prayers and having dates with your husband and going to the temple regularly. It, you're taught by the Spirit. And that's why when you get baptized and you have the Spirit every day, it's so much better than just getting it when you're in emergency. Right. So, he, so he'll teach you things you. that later come out. Yeah. You'd be ahead of the times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. Well, I love how spiritual you are and how how sensitive you are to the to the Holy Ghost. I think that's really great. I think you have a really good point there to not just rely on the Spirit and uh, when you're in a time of emergency, but to have it with you all the time so that it's not something foreign when you do need it. And to it. prevent, like it prevented us being right where that tornado tore oh, through. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, that's where we parked. Yeah. And and that's where we would have been. Right. You know. Well, thanks so much for talking to us today. Oh, <laughs> thank you. It's been lovely to have a little chat. Dad, is there anything you wanted to say before we wrapped it up? No, I think that's probably, I I just was thinking as you were talking about there at the end that she was I was kind of just she was talking about reading scriptures and um and she talked about that feeling she had about the tornado and, and just different things. And I think that's the critical thing about uh, people think, she said, read the scriptures to get answers. And I think a lot of us read the scriptures, but we don't recognize any answers. But what it is, is the feelings that you get when you read the scriptures, you, you begin to become familiar with the thought processes that you have. They're more uplifted and good processes. And so as you do that... Um, you become more familiar, you read good things, and then you have better thoughts and thoughts that are promptings uh, from a higher power for, to help us. 
And, uh, and then once you become familiar with those, then if you get in a place of danger, then you're familiar with those thoughts and the process and how that works. And you can recognize a, uh, a prompting to, uh, if, if there's a dangerous situation, but mostly we just use it on a daily basis just to, just to learn good things about ourselves and what to do yeah. in our lives to, to better ourselves and better our lives and help us with our children and help us with our problems and all of those little things. When, and that's kind of... I don't know, that's just something I was thinking about there and kind of a little bit of a, a help for me as I was listening to her. Yeah, I think that's great. There's a lot of, it helps you with your family, your kids, and in your personal life too. I think there's a lot of truth to that. And Dane, his family, I always notice they have scriptures. And the ones that do, the ones of my children that have followed the prophet, they have done the best in well, life it's, with I mean, everything everybody has their struggles we all do and and nobody's perfect and every i mean trust me we've got plenty of problems <laughs> and yeah, it hasn't, that's true. It hasn't yeah. saved me from a lot of my own problems and a lot of my own and for myself even but um but it does give me a base so that when i when i do have struggles that i i can go back to that foundation and that's one of the things that i've always loved so much about my mother that taught me as you can tell and, and see that she is so faith-based and that's her life. And so it gave me a good foundation um, so that even though I struggle in my life, I can always come back to that base because I know good truths and good principles and things that can help me and help us as, as human beings to uh, love one another and do good things and to repair the damage that we sometimes do by uh, the mistakes that we make and the wrong yeah. paths that we take and things like that. It's good to have that foundation really nice and strong and sturdy so that as you build higher in your life and you, you reach a little higher and you get, sometimes you get hit down, you get shaken, you always have that foundation to fall back on and rebuild. So I like that you said that, that she's very faith-based. I think that's a really good way to to define you as a person in a nutshell is very faith-based. Let me tell you how I got that way. Uh, My parents had divorced or were divorcing and I brought the family together being the oldest and said, can we fast each week? And I'll tell you each week what we should fast for. Like first thing we fasted for was that they would, um, they would get on their knees and repent and then it went on to go to church now and went on to go to the temple. So anyway, um, I said I will study every word there is about faith in the scriptures. And I got something called an exhaustive concordance of the Bi- or the Book of Mormon Bible, things like that. But now you can just look in your index of your oh, scriptures. Yeah. And anyway, in four years of fasting each day, each once once a week, I think we did Thursdays, and progressing from time to time on, um, I mean, from the thing we needed, like, you know, go to church or go to the temple or whatever. Uh, in four years, my mother and father were back at, uh, back in the church, and they um, did divorce, but when I studied that word faith then i prayed and said i've studied everything i can find on earth about faith so now please can i have faith have faith to guide my life and so that's how i i go i've gone to byu uh, education week for years and years and that was what they taught is how the general authorities do it so i tried it and i i I feel about the same, but lots of people say I have a lot of faith, so maybe it was that. Could I have think been. that's what it could have been. Yeah. Also, put rules in your life of things like, for instance, my husband and I made a rule, we'll never be alone with the opposite sex. Mm. Never be, because he was working till midnight, and some, once a girl, checker, he was in a grocery store, and um, it was called thrifty mart and they'd all have to go out arm in arm because it was in the middle of the downtown area which had a lot of people that had problems and they had to stay within sight of each other to leave each day Uh but um anyway yeah i think it's good to have rules 
Yeah, just real. Or a girl wanted to write home, and I just and so he gave her a ride home, but I just said, um, don't, don't ever do that again. Have someone in the car. Have something. Have her call someone. Something. Never be alone with the opposite sex because nothing can happen if you are. And then whenever you're tempted, pray hard that you will be able to get through the temptation. Just say absolutely no to Satan. Always say no to him because he'll try. You have to be tempted in everything. Yeah. That's part of earth life. life. Yeah. And, And don't. Don't be an angry person in your mind or with your mouth. Just don't be angry. Just try to be nice. Just be like Jesus. Person. Just be like Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Best advice ever. Just be like Jesus, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I hope you have a good rest of your Sunday. Oh, thank you. Maybe we can have dinner together. Yeah. That'd, that'd be, be fun. Yeah. That'd okay. Well, uh,. I, I was going to ask you if you wanted to plug your Facebook or your Instagram, but <laughs> I don't know if you have any of those. So we'll just go ahead and wrap it up. Yeah. Thank you so much for chatting. And I love you. Oh, thank you. I love you. And thank you for the good man you are. Ah, you're welcome. It's because of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Ambitious. If you listen on iTunes, if you wouldn't mind, go and give a review and a five-star rating because it really helps the podcast to get seen and heard by lots more people and helps me to keep on pushing this podcast and creating great content. And if you listen on Anchor, you can always leave voicemails and you can click the support button, which allows you to give a monthly donation to me to also help out. So consider that. I love you guys. Thanks so much for listening and I'll be back soon with another ambitious topic. <laughs>